This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Hello and welcome to this episode of the National Arts Centre NACOCAST series. My name is Sean Rice and I am the second clarinetist with the National Arts Centre Orchestra. This week, the orchestra is performing Smetna's Overture to the Barter Bride, Dvorak's Seventh Symphony, and Bartok's Violin Concerto, which will feature our orchestra's associate principal violinist, Jessica Linenbach. Here to conduct this week's program is up-and-coming American conductor Karina Kalanakis. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, my pleasure. So is this your first time in Canada conducting? Or have you, um, have you been it's not my first time conducting Canada. Okay. Um, it's your first it time with our orchestra. Definitely world. my yes. first time in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great three days so far. Good. <laughs> not too cold. You're lucky. It was really cold last week. Yes, so I heard. It was cold in New York, too. I was in New York last week. <laughs> so um, have, have you been to Toronto or Montreal or any other major orchestras in this country? I have. Yet? I've okay. conducted Toronto Symphony, Vancouver Symphony. Um, and I conducted a small orchestra in Hamilton. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Canada. Good. Well, <laughs> I'll be with Montreal Symphony next season. So Well, you've almost done I'm, the whole gamut then. <laughs> all the orchestras. Good. It's really nice. Good. They have a really nice new hall there. It's really oh, great. lovely. Have you been to uh, the Luzerne Hall in Switzerland? Yes, yeah, the it's, it's the same one, except a little bit smaller. Yeah, same architect, yeah. same hall. Um, anyway, uh, prior to this, are you still based in Dallas with that orchestra? Or are you? No, okay. I haven't been there since um, I left in, I mean, I completed my two-year tenure in uh, June 2016. Okay, and your title there was assistant or associate? Assistant conductor. Okay, assistant conductor, right. And... Um, what was that like? I mean, for our audience, we're, we're, we're going to find out all about you right now, <laughs> your career and where, where you where you've come from, where you're going. Yeah. That was a that's a big that's a big placement in Dallas. It was what a, a great big orchestra. appointment. Yeah, yeah, the orchestra's phenomenal in Dallas, and they have a beautiful hall, mm-hmm. the Meyerson Symphony Center, and um, the music director Jaap van Sweden mm-hmm. basically had he held auditions for the position and. Um, so I flew to Dallas. I had never been there in my life. <laughs> never ever thought that I would move to Texas, <laughs> being a New Yorker. And um, I conducted the orchestra for 20 minutes. Uh, what did I do? I did the first one to Beethoven 5, about half of it. Brahms 1, last movement. These are all the famous conductor mm-hmm. tests. Yes. <laughs> and uh, um, Don Juan, of course. Mm-hmm. Beginning of Don Juan. Strauss. Uh, and I had the job like 20 minutes later. <laughs> wow, congratulations. <laughs> so it was a huge kind of um, turning point for me because mm-hmm. before that, even though I had studied conducting at Juilliard formally and I really committed to it and everything, I still was very much committed to the violin. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know what was going to happen. I kind of thought after Juilliard I might just resume, resume my life as a violinist yeah. and do some conducting on the side or play conduct or something like that. Cool. So the Dallas thing really just catapulted me into like being a real conductor and having to have a responsibility. And the Dallas job, um, the assistant conductor job there is, in my opinion, one of the best possible things that can happen to a young conductor. 
They only have one assistant. They should have two. I shouldn't say this publicly, but I think they should have two in terms of like your mental health. <laughs> However, <laughs> because they have a full season, it's an enormous mm-hmm. amount of repertoire. You have to do so. I did about sixty. I conducted about sixty concerts a season with the orchestra. Holy I counted, smokes! I counted between because not all assistants like, get a lot of no, programs in an, no, an orchestra. Most assistants yeah. get like two programs. Good per for season. you! Wow. It was youth runouts. I subbed in for people. I took over rehearsals when someone's plane was canceled. I subbed mm. in when someone got sick. Um, I did. Uh, they also have these various series that are outside of the main subscription series, and that's all done with the assistant conductor. Wow, so what an opportunity! It was huge, you know, very steep learning curve, and it was like conductor boot camp in a way, yeah. you know. And also working with Yap because uh, I learned so much from him, and he was very um, sort of um, interesting to watch in rehearsals mm. because he's the kind of conductor who is this Jaap van Sweden, a Dutch conductor who's loves to rehearse mm-hmm. and, and he really gets into it, you know, and yes. he, he can be a little bit like tough with the orchestra and he's not afraid to say every little detail <laughs> that needs to be fixed. Mm. And you learn a lot from, from, you know, week after week kind mm-hmm. of absorbing that type of rehearsing where someone really picks apart every tiny thing. So it was it was pretty great. Two years of that, and yeah. I was like a different person. Well, as a violinist too, wasn't he former concertmaster of Concertgebouw? Yes, that's kind of amazing to hear his experiences about that too. I imagine if he yes. was sharing that kind of absolutely, information. Yeah. absolutely, his Very knowledge cool. of strings was, uh, you know, this his ideas about the way to balance a string section, and mm. he has this thing about always getting more sound from the back of the section. Yeah, and nice. that's sort of his thing, and it really does sound different. Mm. Lovely! Wow, what an experience. So. From that was at that point you mentioned that you were still on the fence about violin and conducting. So was that the moment then where you realized, okay, this is I've got something here. I could be a conductor. Yes, <clears throat> basically it was. Um, well, my fifth week as assistant in Dallas, um, actually, uh, Yup canceled because he had a terrible shoulder injury. Oh no. And it was Shostakovich Eighth Symphony. <laughs> Let me guess, you had to fill in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. On like basically one day notice, and Emmanuel Axe was the soloist Uh-oh. playing yeah. Mozart concerto. <laughs> so I was pretty freaked out and nervous, um, but I just did it. And after I after and I did the two, I did the Saturday night mm. and the Sunday afternoon subscription concerts okay. on no rehearsal. Never having conducted that piece before. I mean, most, you know, conductors in the beginning of their career wouldn't ever go anywhere near Shostakovich 8th Symphony. It's 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 over an hour long. It's an enormous piece about wartime uh, uh, suffering and Mm -hmm. Stalinism. And it's... Yeah, not uh, not light material. No. No. (laughs) And also, it's also, you have to learn how to pace yourself through a piece Mm -hmm. like that, which I hadn't had an opportunity to do. I'd never done a piece that was even that long So up to that point, what was your most intensely complex, Mm, say, endurance-wise symphony? You know, I did, I was doing more stuff like Dvorak Eighth Symphony, um, Beethoven symphonies. Mm -hmm. um, um, I did Mendelssohn Midsummer Night's Dream, the complete with the orchestra the previous spring, because I started flying down before mm-hmm. I officially started and doing some concerts with them. So so that that's all that's all fine. But yep. pacing yourself both physically and mentally and emotionally through a Shostakovich symphony is something completely mm. different. Um 
it's just much more taxing in every way and strenuous than I would say most of the rest of the repertoire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mahler is also yes, very, Mahler very exhausting in that, <laughs> in that way. I think for everyone. <laughs> for everyone on stage, absolutely. Yeah. It's a total journey, and you have to kind of take a big deep breath. And I remember playing these pieces in the orchestra for years, and it's kind of like, okay, and you enter in that world, and you really have to pace yourself. So um, I was pretty knocked out after that weekend, but I also had this really amazing kind of feeling like oh my god i can actually do this Mm -hmm. i just actually led the orchestra through this piece and and i didn't feel that i was swimming around i I actually felt very much in command of what was going on that's awesome and they were really behind me of course because well they're rooting for you too at that point (laughs) exactly they're rooting hopefully they are everyone's rooting (laughs) for themselves also i mean you know we had to make it happen so Mm -hmm. yeah so that was pretty that's a nice story i like that yeah so from that point onwards, it, obviously things have taken off because you're guesting a lot. You're, uh, are you? Are, do you have a, a title position anywhere right now as, as conductor? No, you're I'm just doing just a lot guessing. of guesting. Mm-hmm. And prior to this interview, I think you just told me you were doing. You're booked through for the next what three to four years. Things are being scheduled. That's intense. I mean, like 20, 21 How incredible! Season. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. Um, <clears throat> so, what was the next big step after Dallas? Because. I mean, I had heard of your career for a while as as a player, and and hearing about the Schulte Award, which must have been a huge, a huge, I mean, ex- such an exciting thing to 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 hear about. Can you tell us about that? That was a really yeah, really really good timing for me mm-hmm. because I won the Schulte Award in 2016, mm-hmm. basically right before I completed my time as assistant in Dallas. And okay. the, the reason that I left Dallas was, uh, I mean, I loved the orchestra was actually highly emotionally difficult for me to leave because mm. I also made some lifelong friends in the orchestra. I imagine, and, yeah. You know, when you're the assistant conductor of an orchestra, you're basically like a member of the orchestra. You, you're mm-hmm. treated by the players like a member of the orchestra, and you are, of course, you're in a leadership position, um, but it's it's not the same as coming in as a guest conductor or being the music director where you're the boss. Really, right. the assistant is... Um, in a way, sometimes the line of communication between can be between the music director and the players or or between like I found a lot of the time um, just that I had a very interesting role there, which I will never, ever have again, ever, mm. because that was a very unique situation. So I knew that. And then I won the Schulte Award um, just before I left. And now I'm just guest conducting all over the place. I don't have a title. And mm. the Schulte gave me sort of um, like a stamp of legitimacy. Yeah. Well, that it's I can not too use. bad either to work with Dallas Symphony. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> but uh, th- there is also something to be <clears throat> said for, um, you know, you don't want to ride on your laurels for too long right. before you, you do momentum. something new, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think every musician knows that you're only as good as your last performance. <laughs> 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 you know, so it's sort of to keep to keep the um, recognition of mm-hmm. the work that I was doing more current. It was great to get that award when I did because it, it sort of has enabled me to um, not feel any pressure whatsoever right. to settle down somewhere because I feel the need for a title or I feel the need to be able to say I'm the chief conductor of the blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel that. I, I'm waiting until the cards just fall where they fall and mm-hmm. um I'm right now developing some regular relationships with quite a number of orchestras oh, that good. I really like who liked me and it's sort of a mutual 
excitement about right. doing more repertoire together. Well, that's kind of the trend in, in, as, as a young conductor, right? It's, an, it's very rare to get a, a title position off the bat. It takes years of guesting and meeting other people, form, forging those relationships exactly. that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I find it fascinating to, to hear you talk about this because, you know, it, it, Young musicians starting their careers, you know, everyone thinks you got to win competition, you got to do this, but and even the Schulte Award aside, obviously your career and your reputation was developing in such a way that people already knew about your musicality and your ideas and your technique, and that <clears throat> that's the reason, one of the reasons you probably got the award, obviously, and then, but I, I you know, it seems like you, you mentioned um, you're only as good as your last performance. That's those those sorts of comments. It's it's. Uh, I think the relationships you forge with with the orchestras are like this is your first time here, but we're all really enjoying working with you. Obviously, I hope you can tell. <laughs> and uh, it's it's always nice to hear new ideas and new people. And that kind of reputation gets passed around musicians as well and oh, managements. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's quite fascinating. I think. Mm -hmm. So this week, um, you're conducting the bar talk with us with Jessica, who you went to school with, I hear, right? Mm -hmm. At Curtis? Yeah. Well, how, so how long have you known each other? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you mind um, me asking? <laughs> <laughs> so I believe that we went to school together about 18 years ago. Okay. I understand. <laughs> We're in the same generation. <laughs> so it's, and it's literally been almost, I think, 18 years since we've seen each other. Because oh, wow. I, I think we only overlapped at school, if I'm correct, for a year. Okay. And then she left. Okay. She was done, and I was just coming in. Um, and then we didn't see each other. I think she came here very soon she after She was in New York, that. I think, afterwards, at uh -huh. Manhattan School, studying with Zuckerman. Oh, right. And, and then, then she here. came here. Yeah. So I didn't really see her. <clears throat> and But I remember, we. I mean, we remember each other. Curtis is a very small school. Yes. There are only about 165 students in the whole school. Mm -hmm. So that means it's basically the size of an orchestra plus singers and pianists mm -hmm. and organ players. And right. Whatever. So um, we were, of course, part of the same group of friends. And mm -hmm. uh, we didn't study with the same teacher, but, but I remember her so clearly. And um, it's... I, the older I get, the more I feel a s huge sense of comfort when I see people from the school from days. School, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's especially as a conductor right now, I'm I'm just constantly on the road. I'm living out of a suitcase. And yeah. a lot of the yeah, time wow. I'm conducting an orchestra full of people that I don't know. I'm working a lot in European countries that I, I mean, I lived and worked in Germany, uh -huh. but not in any other European country. So when I go to some of these orchestras, you know, I don't really know anybody. I didn't go to school with right. them because they went to school usually somewhere near where the orchestra is. Right. And um, it's so nice to be able to work with somebody that you know from before. Right. I can so imagine. this is great. It's And it's great to hear Jessica again. I actually remember her playing from school because all of us violinists at Curtis would always go to each other's concerts mm -hmm. and listen to each other. And that was a huge part of the learning process was actually just learning from right. each other. And she sounds so phenomenal. Yeah, she's, we're so lucky. Ugh, it's, she's a great she colleague, sounds, amazing musician. Like, yeah, she's a great person and so smart and so relaxed and so she has a natural confidence about her that mm. I think also um, it, it, it's, it's like which comes first, the chicken or the egg. It comes from <laughs> her playing, but yes. it also is contributes to her why her playing, playing yeah, is so I agree. That's so a nice great, way to so put it. So solid and yeah. Um, yeah, she's just, she's like a rock. So it's, it's really been 
super fun to listen to her. And as a violinist, what's your relationship to this concerto in that regard? Is this a work, a work you know very, very well? I know it, <laughs> but I actually never learned it. Okay. It slipped through the cracks, didn't okay. I? love Bartok. You guys have a lot of rap. <laughs> There's a lot of concertos. Um, yeah, way more than the clarinets. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, I I worked... I. When I was in school, I worked extensively and gave hours and hours and hours of my life to the Bartok solo violence. Oh, yeah, of course. Basically Mm -hmm. the last piece he ever wrote right before he died. Um, That was written for Menuhin, and that's a unbelievably difficult piece. And I (laughs) definitely learned a lot about his language and his writing from that piece, although that's more on the weird side of his compositions. Mm. And then I played a lot of the string quartets. And that's really how I got to know the yeah, Bartok language. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I remember going into, in, I think it was in 2003, I went to the Taos School of Music, which is a teeny tiny little chamber music festival sort of workshop in New Mexico in a mm. ski village. <laughs> um, and they only accept 19 students per summer. So okay. it basically amounts to um, three piano trios and four string quartets. Okay. And you're probably working a ton. You you live there in this ski resort for two months, mm. and you only play four pieces over the two wow. months. Wow, okay. So you can imagine you spend two weeks, eight hours a day yeah. of coaching with the Brentano Quartet, wow. the Takash Quartet. We worked with the Takash Quartet. That's so pretty I freaking cool. I studied Bartok <laughs> with the Takash Quartet. Yeah. And I remember doing, I played first violin on Bartok's second quartet. Mm-hmm. Two weeks in the mountains of just Bartok's second quartet. I mean, mm. that's how you really learn yeah. how to be a musician. It obviously left an impression on you. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it yeah. was so special and so intense. And I don't think, I mean, at Marlboro also, we would work that intensely, but we had a little bit more repertoire. So mm-hmm. I think I've never had that that kind of time on mm. a piece since. Wow. Not before, Very not cool. not since. Yeah. yeah. And, and so... Um, <clears throat> So we talked about the Bartok, but Dvorak too. Now Dvorak seven. This is actually my first time playing, and I'm embarrassed to say because yeah, I know I would have thought I've played it more by now. But um, what a great piece! Is is this a program that you discussed with um, the NAC about what you would what you would do, or is this repertoire they suggested, or how did that form? How did that come to be? I don't remember. That's okay. (laughs) It was planned so long ago, but I'm I'm sure that these were probably. My suggestions, okay. although the Bartok may have come from Jessica. Yeah. She may have said, you know, I really want to play this. And then because she said, I want to play Bartok, I thought, okay, let's go for a Bohemian, mm-hmm. Czechy, Hungarian program. Mm-hmm. So we have the, this uh, Barter Bride. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the and then the Dvorak. What, what, what are your thoughts on this music, can I ask? Um, what does it mean to you, or if, it, if anything at all? Oh, it, it means a lot. I mean, I... I I also I love putting uh, uh, pairing Bartok and Dvorak mm-hmm. on the same program, um, and I'm doing a lot of programs that have one piece by Dvorak, Dvorak and one piece by by Bartok. Cool. Because um, I think each composer has his own very distinct language mm-hmm. and sound world. Um, instrumentation choices are very specific and recognizable. Well, they're also very different in terms of their style of, of composition. One's very much influenced mm-hmm. by Brahms, and the other's it's, much more influenced by the folk culture of absolutely. the country. Uh, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> but Bartok seems to me to be influenced by Bartok. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, he, yeah. he's his own, to me, in my mind, like his own universe. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair, I think. And 
yeah, Dvorak also, I hear huge influence of Wagner. Yes, um, in this piece especially. That's Valkyra. And there's there's so many uh, um, things that are also when you, it's much easier to notice them when you look at the score, I think, mm-hmm. than when you, you, in the orchestra, you can you might hear it and you might think, oh, that sounds a bit like Wagner. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the score and you've also studied Wagner, I'm a Wagner f- freak. Like who is which conductor is not? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it, it, it you 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 see immediately visually like mm. a line that, and then you you have a visual you know sort of like weird Pavlov's dog association. Like <laughs> oh god, that's Wagner. Um, and it happens. It, it it actually happens a lot in the score where actually it doesn't even really sound like Wagner, but mm. there might be a motive that's straight out of a Wagner opera. Interesting. Um, and it sounds very different because he he sort of hides them and mixes them with in this sort of world of Czech rhythms. Yes, yeah. Which are very. Um, I, I love one of the things that I love about Dvorak's music is he loves grace notes. He loves yeah. these little, you know, mm-hmm. sort of kind of thing, uh, and and it, it it adds so much because he could have not done that and it would have still been very beautiful. Mm-hmm. But this these sort of little um, uh, emphasis markings and that Bartok does that too with accents and I think that's something very significant and important about bohemian music because mm-hmm. everything is a bit like speaking. Okay. And hey, you mentioned this in rehearsal yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I mentioned it because I wanted everyone to kind of um, um, sort of make more definition mm. in in the way we play a phrase that does have a lot of those little markings, mm-hmm. dots and lines and accents and sforzandos and where there's a slur, where there's not a slur. Um, and like we were working on uh, lightening up some of the ends of those phrases that have dotted notes at the end, short mm-hmm. notes, um, to make them really light. And then the big accented chords to make them really, really powerful and strong, big stabs. So um, I think that's that's a, a very important part of this music. And of course, form and structure are there. Mm-hmm. And and Bartok also has incredible way that he structures his music mm-hmm. and lays it out. And um, I also do the concerto for orchestra oh, quite a that lot. And that's it's a palindrome, yeah. so it, it's amazing how it's laid out. And Bartok also, I don't know if people generally know this, but he writes in all his music timings at the end in the score mm-hmm. at the end of each section. It'll say one minute forty seconds. It's suggested. It's a suggested length of how long that section should take. So Mm -hmm. not only do you have a tempo marking, always specific, like quarter note equals 130, but then at the end of the section, it'll say the Mm. amount of seconds. Of course, it's an indication. It's not... Right. You can't actually... Don't take out a stopwatch. No, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Like, guys, we're one second over. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That would not be good. Um, But, um, yeah, it's just... I mean, I could go on and on. I, 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 I love... Bartok and I also love Dvorak and mm. they're very different but they also have great melodies yes great melodies great melodies yeah absolutely I, I'm I'm obviously biased as a wind player but the second movement for this is just liquid gold it's really <laughs> so amazing. good for the winds I yeah. love it <laughs> absolutely yeah. absolutely one of the most beautiful clarinet souls ever read yes yeah Kimball plays it so beautifully oh too. my yeah. gosh and yeah. he's so communicative and yeah. in his eyes and he like we really I felt we were doing it together it's oh, really nice. great yeah <laughs> really really nice so after this week what's next for you um I 
am going to be uh, with the Phoenix Symphony. Oh, cool. Much warmer. And, <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully I get some sun. And then um, after that, I'll be with Danish Radio in okay. Copenhagen. Oh, lovely. And then hopefully I'm not going to be flying across Atlantic every week. So I'll be in Europe actually all of February and March. Okay. Nice. So um, Swedish Radio and um, the Halle Orchestra. Oh, good for in, you. Uh, nice. England and um, Netherlands Radio Philharmonic and Bomberger Symphoniker. So I'll be kind of in Northern Europe for You're doing the big circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Connecting lots of, a lot lots of orchestras. great orchestras too. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. And awesome. it's really it's really I don't I don't take it for granted not for one single day. Oh, it's well, it's really, really um unusual, I think. Well I, I, I hope you don't mind me asking because this is something that I've 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 often wondered as a female conductor, you know, it's Unfortunately, our history of the industry doesn't have enough female conductors. I mm. think it's a sad thing. Mm. And you're really trailblazing right now because I think I, I was hearing of your name as a student when I was finishing up my degree and when I moved here. Like, And then you read the you read the classical music blogs. I heard about Dallas, all these things. Mm. And so it's it's awesome that you're trailblazing this sort of thing. Do you work with young other young conductors? Or you, do you talk to you? Uh, other young conductors, any young female conductors about your experiences? I'm just curious. Not so much. It's an awkward question. I hope you don't mind me asking. No, but no, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, everyone's sort of, I mean, it doesn't have to be like the elephant in the room. I know, know I, yeah. It's, it's. Um, I guess because I am a girl <laughs> and I am a conductor, I forget how yeah. unusual it is. I mean, ultimately it, it shouldn't matter. <laughs> well, it's so normal to me. Right. And for example, um, I noticed... Um, that there was a really lovely post on Twitter about uh, the fact that there's a female solos and a female conductor this week oh, yeah. here, right? Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's that's great. And sort of relating it to somehow the Golden Globes and <laughs> sort of current <laughs> okay. events, which, which is, you know, it's sort of women are feeling, I think, a little bit more empowered in mm -hmm. general current events for reasons that we obviously mm -hmm. have read about. Um, and I think that's kind of amazing. I'm actually shocked that it's happening, and I think it's amazing that 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 uh, women are now voicing uh, when something's not right. Uh, mm -hmm. But for me, as a musician, that that feels very um, f very far away from sure, what I, I do. I, I respect you know, that. I hope you don't mind me asking. I, I no, was, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's absolutely <clears throat> normal question, and I think everyone sort of wonders about it, like, well, where are we actually with this whole process and how far along are we? And I think I very often would like to think that we're much farther along than we yeah. are. Um, well, that's, that's good. You know, and I know <laughs> I know quite a number of, uh, um, a couple in particular, um, conductors that happen to be women that are about my age mm -hmm. um, who are absolutely phenomenal, but just nobody's heard of them yet because yeah. it's going to take another 10, 20 years uh, yeah. before their name gets out there. Um, and I think it's being a conductor is really, really difficult. The lifestyle is difficult. Mm -hmm. The workload is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It never ends. Yeah. You never have a weekend. You're always preparing, always score studying. Always, yes. always. Yeah. And um, I've had to learn how to take time off. So I think, you know, it's hard in any case to be a conductor it's hard to be a conductor and have a family because mm. what are you going to do leave your kids at, uh, alone yeah, at you home travel, all the you time you travel many weeks of the year and i yeah. and i have many conductor friends and colleagues who of course have two kids three kids mm. and they guest conduct and they make it work you know they they do two weeks on the road and then they come home even if it's for a day but mm. they make sure they see the kids they make sure they facetime yeah. um 
So it's doable, but it is, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, very, very difficult to be away from home so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think your commitment to the art form and your commitment to the survival of the art form has to be so great. And also just your pure love for music. Yeah, you have to love it. You have to love it yeah. basically <laughs> more than life itself. Yes, I can um, agree with that. And I think you have to prefer, any musician will tell you this, but it's especially... I think soloists, singers, and conductors who are constantly on flights and constantly away from home. Right. Well, it's you have to create your own employment. You have to, you have yeah. to be self-marketable. It's you have to so really, much. really be pretty obsessed with music to mm-hmm. be able to tolerate the life aspects of yeah. this profession. Of course, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's it can be very daunting. I, daunting traveling. I I've done it only in small spurts. Before my job here, touring for like solo recitals, things like that, getting that opportunity. But even that was a lot for me. Yeah. I, I completely respect the lifestyle <laughs> of conductors traveling that much. It seems like it's incredibly intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned while you were at Dallas working with uh, youth concerts, things like this. I'm, I'm always curious to ask other musicians what their philosophy is on, on music education and, and the future of what we do. And what I'm, I'm just curious. I, obviously, you travel so much, so maybe you don't have too much time to be rooted in doing something very a lot. But while you were at Dallas, what kind of work did you do with the uh, youth concerts there? Well, Dallas Symphony has a really great um, education program that's existed for quite some time now. So mm. it's built up over many years uh, a real core young audience in mm, Dallas good. and. Nice. I think um, because the Dallas area is also quite an affluent area, it's um, uh, there are a lot of young teenagers and uh, elementary school age children who come from families where the parents can provide them with music lessons mm-hmm. and drive them around to um, uh, orchestra rehearsal yeah. or band or dance class or something. The arts are actually... Um, have a, also a huge amount of private support in Texas in general. Oh, that's great, yeah. Um, and there are certain pockets of Texas that are quite wealthy, and a lot of that wealth is poured into the arts, which mm. is amazing. So um, I definitely noticed that in Dallas, um, you know, there'd be teenagers going on a date to the symphony. Oh, wow. You don't see that's that in great. every city. Yeah, not in every um, city. So that's something... You see it in a lot of bigger cities. Yes, yes but yeah. but Dallas is um, sort of like this hidden gem as a city. I feel like people who haven't necessarily spent much time there, they mm-hmm. don't even, they've never even really heard of it. Or a lot of people would say to me, how's Houston? <laughs> I'm like, Dallas, yeah. not Houston. By the way, you heard of Dallas' also great, concert but... <laughs> hall. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but I'm like, two, two different cities, guys. Yeah. Very, they're Very like different. five hours apart. <laughs> not even close. That's funny. So, um, but the youth concerts that we would do, um, so we did a, we did a variety of things. We had the school concerts, which would be kids bust in from school mm-hmm. with their teachers, um, and that would be a wide variety of ages, all the way down to. I mean, we had some you know five year olds in those concerts, oh, wow. like okay. kindergarten classes. So these are concerts where they're coming to listen. They're coming is, to are listen. They engaged and interactive in any way, or are you, are you, is that a different yes, type of thing that, that you would do? Is? That helps a lot. Yeah. So definitely, there's a lot of uh, um, start and stop for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. So play something short or play an excerpt from a piece. Stop. I would turn around, take the microphone, talk yeah. to the kids, ask them questions, yeah. get them to be involved. Um, and that way, the teachers have to do less sort of disciplining yeah. from the audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, you know, you have a different feeling with each group of kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would usually do um, four shows in a morning. Okay. Uh, So um, the orchestra is very accustomed to doing this. They've done it for years. Uh, And then we had the family concerts. And that's more for, like, parents bringing their kids and something that you do together as a family. Yeah, Yeah, like a Saturday morning. We do those here too, yeah. Yeah, and that's really special because I think that also instills a really great – memory that the kids have from childhood of going Mm. to the symphony with their parents. And I think a lot of the future audiences of the orchestra world um, are people that, you know, I'll get people who say to me, well, I don't know anything about music, but my grandma used to take me to the opera when I was little. Awesome. You know, that's and a great memory so for they, them, obviously. Yes, yeah. and then it gives them comfort and they want to do it too because yeah. they want to do it with their kid because their grandma did it with them. So um, so that's great. And then, of course, there are a lot of people that don't have the means yeah. to come into Dallas and don't have the money to buy a ticket or yeah, don't have the time, right? Or, yeah, tickets, yeah. So yeah. we then do these runouts where we okay. go to, we, we, we would go to all sorts of suburbs and all sorts of venues around the Dallas, uh, like Metroplex area. Um, we played in churches. We played in high school auditoriums. We played in some pretty nice concert halls, actually, that are scattered in the most random places. Mm, interesting. Um, and we did those quite often. Often that's a series that they call DSO on the go. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a nice little and line. And <laughs> it's, it's great. And there's a huge following. These people are really into it. And then in June, there are the Parks concerts. Mm. And those are totally free and open to the public. And you just, you know, the orchestra sets up in a cool. bandstand yeah. and plays for people in a park. Yeah. And we would target neighborhoods. So we always would do a concert um, in a, a place that's, for people that really probably never heard a classical music concert, don't know what a violin is, right. and we go right into the heart of that neighborhood and play, would play. In nice. So, um, yeah, in that sense, the orchestra, I think, has its priorities mm. set straight. Um, and there's a, a, a huge administration also for the yeah. education department. Yeah, we, we similarly have our own department. Yeah. It's great. I Orchestras think it's have the, to be that way future. these days. Yeah, it, it is our future, be. and mm-hmm. it's in a, in a way... The educational aspect is just as important as a subscription audience. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Because it yeah. is your future subscription audience. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, that regardless of the, the business aspect of it, I think it's just really lovely for, for children to have the experience and the choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to be a, be, be, um, uh, to witness something like that, and yeah. then that that in turn just gives them the the idea of whether or not they want to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. The innocent and also, mind will, it can be a curious mind. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. and and it's it, that curiosity is also something that um, you can't get that from an iPad. No, <laughs> you know, that's for sure. It's, yeah. We're so, and I mean, it's absolutely normal and okay and everyone does it that nowadays we have these these gadgets Mm. and when you need to calm down your child you just give it to them because (laughs) it's the easiest thing to do is and that's that's fine um but preserving moments in the day where a child is a hundred percent present and a hundred percent having a human interaction where they have to listen, they have to watch, they have to participate, they have to collaborate. Mm. Um, 
these are all also things that life for skills. every they're total life yeah. skills and for every child that has the f- good fortune to actually play in a youth orchestra yeah. you learn values that you need to just like be a good person yes absolutely <laughs> function well in society and mm-hmm. how to follow authority and how to you know work in a hierarchical situation yeah. and it's uh i think um like youth orchestras if i could run the world if i could be president of the united states i would make <laughs> i would pour all the money into youth orchestras <laughs> wow. i would take it out of you know i mean also gym class gym class kids should be running around more yeah. i have all sorts of ideas but <laughs> i just think you know music that was the old ancient greek yeah. value was music yeah. and sports yeah and now we have everything but those two things in our school curriculum yeah. doesn't make any sense so so i think it's you know the orchestra can be actually like in a way the heart and soul of a city. It's a great social avenue. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Great thoughts. Thank you for doing this today. This was great. I, thanks for taking My time pleasure. to do it. I know you're quite busy. And uh, we hope you are back again to conduct really thanks. soon. Yeah. Thank you. Looking thanks forward to tonight. Thank you. Me too. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.